Hi, welcome back to the CIO Show. I'm David Binning, Associate Editor CIO. Managed service providers are an important element of many organizations' digital efforts, especially for those with limited staff and other resources. But are you sure you're getting the maximum value from your investment? Does your MSP properly understand your business and business goals? Have you given enough information and taken the right steps to ensure that they do? In this episode, we'll hear from global tech lead for an international healthcare business related past experience of being all but abandoned by a major MSP operating in Australia and how he thinks organisations and tech departments should approach structuring relationships to ensure they're actually strategic and deliver on goals. And an expert analyst in this space explains how he thinks the pandemic has shifted the dynamic between MSPs and clients for better and in some cases for worse and shares his checklist for hacking MSP relationships to ensure the greatest chances of success. Join me now, uh, George Silviera, Group Chief Digital Health Officer with global healthcare firm Virtus. George, welcome to the CIO Show. Thanks very much, David, for having me. And also from Gartner, Jadeep Tiagarajan, Principal Analyst in Gartner's Procurement and Vendor Management Group. Welcome to you as well. David, uh, thank you so much for having us. It's a real pleasure. Now, we, we know in this MSP space, there are a broad spectrum of experiences ranging from um, outstanding you know, customer service, perfect communication between the client and provider, and, and of course, on the other on the other side of the spectrum, um, plenty of examples of where MSP relationships have gone seriously sour and so seriously south. Yes, that's that's correct, David. You know, it, the relationship with MSPs is usually can be very different and challenging at times, and very um, good at times as well. Uh, but um, one of the things that um, that I can uh, relate, you know, some sort of a experience I had in the past with them um, oh, sure. yeah. is. Um, um, in, in regards to a, um, a, a body of work that we needed um, to, uh, to get an MSP to do for us, for an organization. We've been working with this organization for some time, organizing, you know, going through the details, a statement of requirements, et cetera, for that particular service. And it was, um, you know, they, they put, put up a really good uh, front and, um, you know, very friendly people and um, they they present themselves very professionally which yeah. is um, excellent and are we navigating through you know negotiations and understanding a little bit more about um, charter's business and how we could uh, collaborate and work together into the future yeah so uh, one of the things as uh, we approaching you know towards the end to know each other and uh, marching towards a, a more sort of a serious conversation around contract negotiations and and how to progress for forward we had a lot of attention which was great obviously um at that time and um, a lot of effort was put in to present the case that we uh, we were making the right choice uh, with that particular msp and um so when when we got to really the final stages of it this particular organization got a uh, contract and somewhere else which was uh, obviously a more lucrative contract and uh, they diverted all of the excellent resources that we had assigned to us to this uh, more lucrative contract. And, and I mean, that, it's utterly appalling, isn't it? It's not that uncommon, but sorry, it's going. Yes. So, yeah, that was, um, you know, it took it took a few days to sink in, uh, to be honest, a few, a few weeks um, until we start actually just believing that, you know, it might be something temporary or someone is on sick, on sick leave or it's away on leave, et cetera. Yeah. But, but what, what happened was um, not, so those, those uh, representatives and, um, you know, the executives there are assigned to our 
accounts, they pretty much got reshuffled and uh, per, and, and um, we got a lot of us a junior people with very little to no experience in the services that we require at that time. Yeah, right. So, so you, you ended up spending a vast amount of money to, in effect, subsidise an informal um, cadetship training program. <laughs> yes, um, I'll, I'll put that way because it was a very long sort of a relationship that we built even before I signed a contract. I think that's probably one of the most important parts on on the relationship building with any uh, service provider. Yeah, is, um, is is prior to the contract, so you you get the opportunity to to get to know them a little bit. So it, it felt kind of like that way. And one of the things that was um, a bit disappointing was that um, it didn't matter how much you try to escalate or reach out to someone to actually get some um, some attention, you wouldn't get it because there was, um, you know, greener pastures somewhere else. <laughs> what, what was what was the what was the outcome in the end? What, what, what were you able to do? Probably not much. Uh, well, it, it's interesting. We, we, we continue because we we're so invested in this. And, you know, it's um, it's it's. You know, and it might might not be uh, directly related to this, but it's like a personal relationship you developed yeah. over a period of time. Yeah. And um, the longer you go, it's the harder it is to um, to 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 go separate ways to to yeah. go apart. Yeah. So, yeah. try to resolve a lot of this. You know, the issues we're having, and we we had a a, um, a particular price uh, pricing for the services that we intended to acquire at that time on the table. And we, we got a final, we, we mentioned that so we needed to sort of a separate some of the business functions and we, we would need to organize the, uh, the quotation, the proposal in a certain manner. And we, we're dealing pretty much with the, with the junior staff from the MSP. Yeah, and yeah. what ended up, we ended up getting was um, instead of um, a full understanding of the services that are being provided, they're the same, but just structured a little bit different across the organizations that um, we had those services. Yeah. Instead of getting a um, optimization in terms of a, a proposal, we actually yeah. had the proposal tripled in cost, in yeah. price. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it speaks volumes about the kind of, you know, darker, more insidious elements within the outsourcing and MSP space. I mean, we've all heard of those sorts of stories, but they are certainly in in the minority. I mean, the majority of MSP relationships that, that go bad are normally, you know, the result of poor due diligence at the beginning. And throwing that over to you, Jodeep, I mean, is you, you've obviously had a lot of experience working with customers and, and helping them, you know, draft up MSP arrangements that are most likely to help them achieve their goals, right? That's right, David. I mean, I can, uh, I couldn't agree more with whatever George submitted. And yeah. this is one of the classic problems that we do come across on a day in, day out basis while having those client interactions. You know, it is, it is just about common for the MSP to commit the best of their resources and that creamy layer of, of talent uh, yeah. to, to client accounts that are, you know, high revenue generating. So, uh, and it's also, you know, one of the core value propositions of most MSPs is that, you know, they're going to improve service over time. And yet, you know, this is reportedly 
one of the key frustration points experienced by clients. And MSPs are often not prepared to introduce any sort of innovation into their service delivery, you know, for a, you know, fear of losing revenue, uh, you know, yet clients were sold on and, and, and they do expect a steady stream of innovation from their MSP. Now, yeah. the, you know, in, in this case, really, unless the quantified expectation, the mechanism and the incentive is written into the statement of work, this problem, you know, will, will, will persist. And the, you know, the expectation to realize innovation and service delivery improvement over a period of time may never be fully realized. And eventually the client would become frustrated. And, and this is quite, quite a common problem, a very classic problem that we see uh, across the spectrum. I mean, there are ways. I mean, obviously, uh, many of them, I mean, MSPs, they try and blend the service and the productivity improvements, for instance, mm. in, into a, a single metric of improvement. However, you know, our recommendation uh, is, is always that the client get the MSP to separate the improvements into service improvement and productivity improvement to drive both behaviors uh, from from your MSP, and that's all at the at the contractual level. But too often, you know, let me tell you, uh, David, you know what happens is the most critical MSP relationships are managed quite tactically, yeah. more in reaction to events or focused on what the MSP is delivering rather than on how the MSP is impacting your business. And these these strategic relationships are increasingly, you know, the key components and the influencers to business performance on many occasions. So managing these relationships, you know, it it, it requires uh, a very comprehensive and a strategic approach that changes the dialogue, the control, and the focus to directly impact their performance and compel them uh, to exhibit uh, partner-like traits and attributes. We enable any organization to use any technology. We help all companies become technology companies protecting the identity of both workforces and customers. Connecting the right people to the right technology at the right time. Okta, one trusted platform to secure every identity in your organization. Improving those strategic MSP relationships, uh, yeah. the way we look at it, it requires really three steps. And then the first one is really uh, identifying, collecting, aggregating, and presenting the MSP profile, performance, and the market data to provide a holistic picture of the MSP and what they deliver to your enterprise. Sure. And the second one, definitely, and that, that the first step is usually done uh, fairly at the start, you know, before, before you, you sign on the dotted line. Yeah. 
And once you have signed on the dotted line and, and it's, it's going uh, like business as usual, uh, that's when you enforce the second step, which is really developing or revising your governance program so that it outlines a review process and schedule for you know, following up with the MSP and the you know, client's key stakeholders. And finally, uh, you know, this has to be a very iterative kind of a process wherein you develop a defined set of agreed actions and, and, and you come up with a plan to continuously assess how those actions are being implemented, how they are impacting vendor relationships and yeah. what their outcomes are. It's almost as though we're talking about how to hack MSP arrangements, how to, this is MSP hacking for organizations to get more value, right? That's correct. Uh, that, that, it, the hacking bit per se, you know, yes, there are a few contractual uh, best practices uh, that can be followed to provide as much immunity as possible to the client organization against any uh, such MSP non-performance or underperformance, you know. Uh, so there are obviously defining, you know, the right performance metrics that are not just limited to response times and so on and so forth, but incorporating mm -hmm. more strategic service levels, like, you know, it could be uh, stakeholder uh, interaction satisfaction, percentage of reopened incidents, uh, percentage of effort spent on uh, troubleshooting versus change, etc. So, you know, case in point being, you need to be defining a, a, a really comprehensive matrix of service levels to yeah. not just... Uh, monitor whether you know the vendor is doing i mean whether the msp is doing uh the the needful on a day in day out basis but you're also trying to evaluate uh whether or not they are you know going the extra mile walking above and beyond are they really being strategic etc yeah. so that is that that becomes a more ongoing basis yes there are a few hacks you can make sure to ensure that you know there is contractual robustness and the and 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 the second thing is really a more ongoing process you know establishing and monitoring uh the msp performance on a continual basis uh you know making sure uh that you're incentivizing uh, i mean you're including the right innovation behavior drivers not yeah. just within the contracts but on a more continual basis are you really identifying opportunities to collaborate to innovate uh, are you using quarterly sessions with business and it commitment to invest in ideation identification uh, uh, estimation and joint execution of those innovation initiatives uh, and what sort of governance, more importantly, have you put in place to ensure that all the ideas can be evaluated and progressed as needed? So it's going to be a continuous journey and an effort from both the parties, uh, should be said. Well, I mean, it's certainly the absolute opposite of, you know, let's just get someone else, let's make this problem somebody else's problem. It requires a great deal of vigilance and something 
uh, George, you and I were talking about recently was that in your experience, you've, you've noted that a lot of organizations will go down the MSP route for all of the wrong reasons. For instance, you know, there being lack of resources or, and or even worse, lack of, of competence and confidence in an IT department. I mean, hardly an, hardly an ideal kind of basis for an effective MSP uh, relationship, I'm sure you'd agree. Yes, absolutely, David. So as you, as you mentioned, you know, there's a lot of a drivers and um, I think we we're still maturing around, you know, what actual sort of a position we would have with the MSPs, but it, 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 that's, that happens every day. It's um, you see a particular uh, function under, underperforming, you know, you have a lack of skills for existing technologies you're using or new tech that you want to use that um, you don't have, you don't possess those skills in house, for example, or pretty much tasks that nobody else wants to do. Um, that leads obviously to a need to say, well, I'm, I'm outsourcing a, a problem um, and um, expecting to get all of the answers and, and things to work away from there. So, but w- when you take that approach um, and um, the drivers of engagement come from that perspective, it's very dangerous because um, we face uh, the challenges. For example, if, if you put this sort of approach under an X-ray, and, and you look into, you're trying to solve a performance problem or lack of skills, et cetera. Um, you access MS, MSP services on a contractual basis. So the contractual obviously has a scope and it's a transactional environment. So what does that come with it? So it, it, that's where um, a lot of the, the, the contracts with the MSPs, in, they need to be reviewed regularly to understand and um, because if you have a contractual obligation with an organization who, uh, uh, who is required to provide you services within a scope, it yeah. is a transactional workload. So with constraint to scope, will come constraint, um, constraint flexibility. So Jaydeep um, was talking about um, you know, what um, the performance of the um, MSP was, and I was just listening to that very carefully. Um, the performance under that, on those uh, circumstances, are purely from a contractual basis. So they're contractual performance. Yeah. So when you, we move into a, a more sort of a mature way of thinking of how we can leverage value out of MSPs and really try to bring MSPs into um, your business functions, we're looking into what would be the expected performance, not only the contractual performance we have, so, and what would be the additional services or type of a relationship that we want to develop with the partner, with a, an MSP? Yeah. So once, once um, you know, a, um, a, uh, um, a contract is, is based on a, on a scope and, and, and is pretty much a transaction, it's very difficult to have flexibility to move into a more strategic space. Yeah, sure. um, it's not a scope, and that's usually what it is. And everything becomes a job, it becomes another transaction. Yeah. Even strategic initiatives yeah. um, that uh, you may um, approach an MSP to for some advice on a few things, it becomes very clearly a transaction. They'll bill you uh, by the hour as, as usually they do, obviously your organizations are there to, to be profitable, um, but it's all containerized. So it feels quite disconnected uh, from the organization in that sense. So. MSPs, in, in my view, they have a great opportunity now 
with um, you know with the evolution of technology to actually start focusing on what will be the roles or the functions that are more relationship rich and present a strategic lever for organizations. So those roles are notoriously insourced, put that way. So if there is a um, if the role requirements uh, it's um, um, it has to be uh, you know it's relationship rich and pr- pr- um, provides requires a um, uh, has a strategic lever. So yeah. that's usually insourced. But what happens with a lot of the organizations is that the capability may not be present. So that capability and that function needs to be fulfilled some somehow to be able to deliver the overall organization strategic um, yeah. goals. How do you source that? So you either go out on the market and you find absolutely the right people and you build your team um, and you may end up um, investing um, significant amount of funds to um, for that, mm-hmm. or you try to partner with organizations that can actually deliver the value for those capabilities um, that you're short. Yeah, sure. But how, how do you do that, David, in, in a contractual, transactional um, relationship, traditional relationship with, have with MSPs? Oh, it's it's uh, difficult. Very, very difficult indeed. And it's interesting you say that, um, you know, we've gone quickly from discussing how these um, contracts arrangements are, are broken in the first place. The way they're broken in the first place is very human. There's lots of promises. There's lots of expectations. There's, there's you know, everyone in the room is suddenly BFFs, an acronym I, I learned recently, Best Friends Forever. Um, and that's how it starts. And then the harsh reality is the transactional side of it, right? And, and Jade, you and I were talking about this recently, that, that a number of these problems and the other problems that we sort of spoke at the top of the program with regard to MSPs have become exacerbated throughout COVID-19 and not by just a little bit, right, but quite significantly. That's correct. I mean, uh, you know, it, it, it's hard to dispute that they are not adding value. It, 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 it's just that eventually, you know, the MSP arrangements, you know, generally tend to be uh, quite longer term engagements. You know, we're we are staring at about three years or five years. And in some cases, I've seen seven years type uh, MSP arrangements. You know, it's uh, while they all start out on a, you know, on, on, on good intentions uh, and, and, and all that, Eventually, you know, what, what really happens is while as the technologies advance and, and, and as a more wider array of options of service delivery and, uh, you know, happens, uh, we've seen instances where they quickly reach a point of diminishing returns where yeah, yeah. Uh, what happens there is... Uh, that's when the client frustrations start, you know, because initially the gig was mostly to sort of keep the lights on, keep keep it business as usual. Here, here are the set of service levels. Uh, you know, make sure you hit them, and if you don't hit them, you know, we're gonna we're gonna enforce penalties on and so forth. But then, just when you are, you know, traveling through that journey, you you figure out that. Uh, there are the market trend is 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 sort of changing towards yeah. something else, and there is something new that has come up. There is pressure to move to the cloud, or there is pressure to adopt analytics, or there is pressure to deliver 
more inclusive experiences to the customers, for example. Mm -hmm. And that's when, you know, when there is a change in the narrative, you know, you're just not in sync with the MSP with that narrative. And that's where, you know, some of the clients, I mean, some of the MSPs, uh, some of them do demonstrate a great deal of flexibility. Uh, they do commit to ongoing improvements. They do provide uh, with a clearly articulated service improvement plan and productivity improvement plans and even innovation plans and so on. Uh, it could be, you know, it could be using automated resolution technologies like bots and automation, uh, or it could be something else, you know, depends on, depending on, uh, the the area of, of engagement but but case in point being a lot of them you know they are good at uh, a lot of the MSPs they're very good at uh, showcasing those those technologies and showcasing yeah. the art of the possible and they're quick at helping clients envision a target state of everything nice and everything efficient and everything uh, state of the art. Yeah. But then when challenges uh, are about, you know, I mean, COVID-19 uh, was, was just a classic example. I mean, that's when a lot of them, uh, it was obviously the, the MSPs were also challenged from a delivery standpoint and the clients were also challenged from a spending standpoint. A lot of them, uh, you know, resorted to cost optimization, uh, you know, programs whereby they did not want to spend uh, a great deal of amount with the MSPs. And they just said, you know, look, we are just going to keep the lights on and, and, and let us not, you know, look at anything that is very strategic and very, very innovative at the moment until, you know, there is some light at the end of the tunnel now and the msps were obviously some of the bigger msps we're talking about large enterprise uh, msp arrangements where typically you've got resources distributed in offshore location or, or near shore location so on and so forth for which every location being uh, impacted with covid you know people uh, you know, people working remotely, despite all the challenges uh, they had to face in offshore locations or nearshore locations. But case in point being, you know, they were also challenged to deliver some of those services. And that's where, you know, the COVID, I mean, the pandemic uh, ended up uh, being a true test of their character and many of them were did, did, did very well in the sense uh, they they extended uh, flexibilities around contracting around payments around service levels around uh, resourcing uh, provided additional reporting structures to really uh, keep the client anxiety free yeah. So many of them did the right thing in the right way with the right intentions. But some of them, especially, you know, the smaller ones, you know, they, they were impacted. You know, they, 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 they were instances of disruptions in, in yeah. service delivery. And that's where, again, you know, we look at, did, we, did, did the clients really check the business continuity plans of the MSP, you know, what is their disaster recovery plan? Are they continuously stress testing them? And are they sharing the results of those drills with 
with the clients on a on a, on a frequent basis, so on and so forth. So while there is obviously, you know, that that contractual implications, you know, the other the other good way of looking at it is, you know, we were we 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 did a study I and mean, we did a survey and we even wrote a report on it. We were uh, we were quite uh, I would say quite glad to see the extent to which some of the MSPs were willing to go to avoid causing any disruptions to service delivery. And we were equally happy to see uh, the empathy from the client side. Uh, And that was great. I mean, it, it, it is just truly... I would say a, a very heartening uh, experience because you know the, yeah. the clients were also acting tall and 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 they recognized that yes this is a problem that has impacted everybody uh, and let us really uh, operate as a true partner and not really as a you know vendor and a buyer and, and and stuff like that so so they really quickly regrouped they 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 sort of framed the problem statement pretty quickly they identified short term um, i mean they identified immediate short term and and long term goals and they were quick to uh, you know chart up a, a fresh line of action sort of a fresh to do list as to what are we going to do now to to accomplish these immediate goals these short term goals and these long term goals so mm-hmm. as much as there is a lot of uh, you know sort of maniacal focus on contractual obligations and so on and so forth and even like this just sort of showed uh, how you know how two parties can can really sit down and negotiate and arrive at uh, what is the best course of action moving forward that is beneficial to to both the parties involved. Uh, I think what it goes on to show is uh, there needs to be very honest communication uh, between the MSP and the end client and the expectations need to be articulated very crisply from the client side, you know, because otherwise, uh, you know, there's no way that that, that the MSP is going to uh, get a view or get an understanding of what the client actually wants, yeah. uh, because you know, otherwise they will they will just you know keep on doing what they have they what they've always been doing with with those capabilities that they thought was sufficient, and you'll 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 end up being in a scenario where you know even the, the only tool you've got is a hammer. Every every problem looks like a nail, and, and, and <laughs> they'll, they'll use the same approach for everything. So yeah. that's why it is so important about uh, the, the governance aspect that I was alluding to, and even, even George was alluding to uh, briefly, is is so important. We did see, you know, a, a lot of deviation from just the contractual obligatory stuff you know and and and, and there was a a a, a great uh, you know great display and show of empathy from the client side which yeah. really uh, i i think i mean it goes on to show really it is it is it is about those those core principles of engagement and the true partnership that will hold uh, you know for 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 a longer time I and mean, be, be, be being really articulate and clear about uh, the expectations 
uh, yes, I mean, there there will come an occasion where you're you're going to feel that you know I think this this relationship is becoming very tactical. Uh, you know, the MSP is just doing the bare, bare minimum stuff. Uh, they're really not you know going the extra mile or or, or uh, going above and beyond. But we uh, want to really step what want want them to step up and and you know we really want to uh, go through the the value exercise with them. You know, we really want to extract more value from them. We don't want to just you know engage with them for yeah. uh, cost uh, you know cost savings etc. But then you know today you know the MSPs yes I mean if 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 that is not articulated well enough um, as a matter of contract or through regular review meetings or as part of the governance, the MSPs are just happy to, you know, keep doing what, what they were doing, you know. Which, which, keep, I mean, keep billing. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. That's correct. And that's going to happen. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's an age old, I mean, it's a classic saying, right? You know, the, the crying baby is going to get the milk. <laughs> you don't ask for it. <laughs> They're not going to give it to you because they're just happy using yeah, the yeah. same tool, the same hammer. Yeah. And, you know, they're looking at everything as a nail and they're just, you know, hitting it. So they're not really, mm. you know, they're not going to go above and beyond and, and, and be proactive and, and proactively propose recommendations and out of box ways of working and so on and so forth. Unless that is something that is captured contractually as well. You know, yeah. those behaviors need to be defined fairly upfront, you know, because yeah. especially the, the sourcing um, and vendor management leaders that are seeking to improve service sourcing and get more innovation and value from their service providers, it's very important that, you know, that to define an incentive model, you know, because in the absence of an incentive, you know they are they're really not obligated to uh you know go above and beyond at least that is that's 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 what we are observing uh, and are seeing in the marketplace so it's very important to include innovation behavior drivers within the contract define strategic objectives include an innovation plan that includes benefits for both the parties create the vision for the service and clearly state the expectations of continuous improvement versus disruptive innovation. So that's the incentive model. And the second bit is the identifying paradigm wherein you're really using those quarterly sessions with business and IT, uh, you know, commitment to really invest in ideation, identification, estimation, and joint execution of those innovation uh, innovation, uh, initiatives that they were uh, alluding to and finally the implementation you know putting yeah. in place that governance mechanism to ensure that all the ideas can be evaluated and progressed as needed you know build that internal capacity and the resources that will be able to incubate and deliver on the innovation opportunities identified so it needs to be uh, you know a, a, a give and take from both the parties uh, but, you know, like I said, you know, that, that those core principles of very honest communication, clearly articulating the expectation and creating that risk reward model of SART, you know, clearly 
issuing, I mean, clearly telling out what the incentive is going to be and what the penalty is going to be uh, if there is a habitual frequent breach of those service levels and lapse in performance. Well, that's a, that's a different discussion altogether. You know, if, if the MSP fundamentally lacks in the ability to deliver even the bare minimum services, you know, obviously that's, that's, that's completely a different, different elephant to tackle. You know, that's when you need to be even more vigilant about the kind of terms and conditions that you are defining as part of the contract. You know, how is your dispute resolution? How is your disentanglement clause? How is your, you know, a penalty clause? Uh, what happens if you're simply fundamentally unhappy with the performance provided by by the MSP? So did you really uh, not pay enough attention at the at the start of the gig, uh, performing due diligences, you know, did you really believe whatever yeah. the MSP said that they could yeah. do? Because they are going to come and tell you they have got all the capabilities to tackle and solve every problem under the sun. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? That that you know, the more we kind of more experience we all become in. in in thinking about and negotiating business relationships, the more we realize that they're they're very similar to human relationships. And a lot of the things that you're saying there, Jody, sound like things that you might you might hear from your average divorce lawyer. This <laughs> is prenups and and uh, George to bring you back in there, mate. I mean, that's that's also been your experience too, hasn't it? How how human these relationships are and, and, and the need for them to be, you know, to to acknowledge that. Oh, in, indeed, um, absolutely. So it's a uh... You know, at the end of the day, we are working with people, and uh, it's very important to to take that relationship aspect. And um, you know, just like you're building a personal relationship with someone, it's a commercial relationship is just a, an extension of that. And um, obviously, for you to be able to deliver a relationship, you've got to give your fifty percent. And uh, the MSP, we have to give that fifty percent. So one of the things that I I started asking around when uh, looking for MSPs and service providers in general is try to understand what does, you know, my organization or your organization mean for them? Yes. So what does that mean? Does that mean that transactional stuff? I mean, does that mean the highly complex work is that Jody mentioned before around, you know, the, uh, the transactional work, but having some flexibility for innovation, um, et cetera. But how can we actually really bring this into context on a strategic way forward for both organizations. So there's there's a very clear thing here for me. The answer to that question, what does your organization mean for the MSP? It needs to be directly aligned with some level of business process knowledge within the organization. So there's a plan that can be written and there's a roadmap that can be put in place as a strategic partner opposed to a transactional partner. But we're talking about those personal relationships and um, you know, the softer skills and how you interact uh, with people. It's not just a matter of, you know, you worked an additional five minutes, here's your bill. And a lot of organizations would do that. Yes. But, but you also notice that that will vary, will vary quite a lot if you're looking into the higher end of town or the lower end of town yeah. for um, MSPs. And what you're going to find is that one group of MSPs may be more tolerant to change in flexibility on scope and innovation than not. Yeah. And that means because they got skin in the game. So they may mean that they're small organizations, but they, they're really driven and they have a good uh, operating model uh, where 
the business relationship is at, is at the center of it. And there's no, you know, truly there's no like a serious, you know, point on the finger or blaming culture going on. Obviously there'll be problems and we need to measure those things through KPIs and, and the regular conversations that Jadip mentioned as well, which yeah. is important. It's just to have in a service delivery forum, just put that way to discuss and, and tune up and how we can improve into the future. But w- one of the things that really got to me um, was around developing the, the relationship with the right organization so they become strategic partners moving forward. Yeah. So if you sign a contract today, this is what I have always sort of mentioned to you know work colleagues. And we go through extensive contract negotiations for various matters, um, obviously. But if you sign a contract and you have to refer to that contract, after you have signed a contract, you don't have a strategic partnership. That's what we put. Gentlemen, thanks so much. It was a really fascinating conversation on MSPs. Thank you very much, David. Thank you very much, David. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. Now, despite being one of Australia's backbone industries, agriculture is definitely amongst its least advanced when it comes to digital innovation. You can probably count the number of CIOs here working with ag firms on one hand. Yet there are incredible changes afoot the use of AI in mitigating disease and improving crop yields, better predicting and responding to major weather events, and applying the Internet of Things to give growers broader and deeper visibility of devices as well as livestock and produce in the field. In our next episode, we'll be talking with experts across the Australian agriculture sector about the extraordinary opportunities now emerging for it in the digital space and discuss exciting predictions of a tech industry jobs boom in regional and rural areas. We hope you can join us.